This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome, everyone, to the best two hours in all of sports talk the must listen to. Sports talk show in all of Acadiana on a Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. That is Under the Dome with a CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037TheGame.com. Dare I say, the fastest two hours in all of sports talk. And I'm looking forward to talking it all with you on this fantastic Saturday morning. We got a jam-packed show for you because guess what? We got the tripod, the triumvirate of sports back, and that is high school football, college football, and NFL. I am just all the way looking forward to it. I'll give you the guest list in just a little bit. But, of course, last night saw the beginning of high school football in full effect, and we're doing things the only way we know how, and that is kind of give you a quick recap, but we'll do it differently than what we've done in the past. Usually I go through the scoreboard within, like, 30 seconds. I'm going to go through a little bit more detail about what happened last night involving the Acadiana area teams that we cover here on 103.7 The Game and our Delta Media family stations. I'm going to do that with the fastest three minutes in all of sports talk. Week one. We start in Abbeville on Thursday night, and the North Vermilion Patriots opened up a bakery on Thursday, capitalizing on five turnovers that the Wildcats up Abbeville committed, and Darius Gilliam set it all off with the first touchdown that I consider of the 2019 season with a nice pass to Dalen Deculus to put the Patriots up early. So four wideouts on fourth down and four. Snap to Gilliam. Looks oh, like a no. rough shot play. Throws to the end zone. Wide open for a touchdown. Well, right now is when you wish you had instant replay. No instant replay in high school football. Patriots 30, Wildcats 7. We go to Yeoman Stadium with St. Thomas More being put up on the ropes early in Friday's ball game against Holy Cross. But Caleb Holstein put that Harvard brain to good use, pushing the Cougars offense out in front. And a pick six late sealed the deal as they open up their non-conference slate, which does them no favors with a pretty solid win. Across the middle of the field, and it's going to be intercepted by Stevenson. And Stevenson's going to try the home sideline. He's got blockers, and he's going to take this one to the house. It's going to be a pick six and an exclamation point on this victory for St. Thomas Moore. Cougars 28, Crusaders 7. We move not too far from the 237 Roof Studios presented by Lafayette Roofing and the Open Air Crow Dome with the cross-town rivalry between Karen Crow and the Acadian High. Did Ohio State copyright the yet? Okay, no, they didn't. So we're going to move on. That Veer offense for Acadiana continued to work with great success, matriculating the ball down the field 
and Lucky Brooks pushed him out in front with a nice rushing touchdown to put him up 15-6. to Back in the wishbone, Williams under center. They're going to set. Williams gets the snap. He's going to hand it straight up the middle to Brooks. He's going to push forward, and he's in the end zone. Touchdown, Acadiana. Just a just a killer of a drive to just suck out that much time and to put six on the board. Lucky Brooks getting it done, but not only that, it was Dylan Monette as well, a big part of the Rams offense. They definitely rammed it down the field. Rams 28, Golden Bears 6. We moved to the Lions' den with Lafayette opening things up with a dominant performance in all three phases. You don't believe me? How about Chris Darasell? He could go all the way. Shotgun formation. Rollins is pressured, knocked down. That was intercepted. And that may be returned for a touchdown. And it is. I think it's I think it's our buddy. I think it's Chris Duracell. Yes, I think it's Duracell. Chris Duracell. Lafayette High cornerback intercepts Rollins, runs it all the way back for the touchdown. Just like that, Lafayette High is now up 27 to nothing with a minute 16 to go here in the first quarter. Extra point coming. The Duracell gets this off. This is team sparked up and they dominated. Mighty Lions 66, Tigers 20. And finally, Southside began their 2019 season on the highest note possible with a shutout over Northside and wasted very little time getting on the board and starting off the Sharks' era right. On it, balls for the ball, three receivers to his right. Straight drop back, big drop back, setting fuck for the screen. Oh, elusive. Nice play. Cedric McDonald getting downfield. First touchdown for Southside Sharks. Right there at the 6.55 mark first quarter. First touchdown for the first game for the first season ever here for Southside. And the Sharks win 49 to nothing. And that was your debut edition of what I like to call the fastest three minutes. A little week one recap involving all the games that we have here in and around the Acadiana area that we cover here on our family of stations. In case you didn't know, St. Thomas Moore is right here on the mothership. 1037 the game. Z1059 has you covered with the Caraco Golden Bears all season long, be it in the open air Crotum or wherever they're going. 106.3 has you covered for the Vermilion Parish game of the week. Next week, it'll be North Vermilion and Kaplan, and I talked with Ward Corville, the color commentator, for that Vermilion Parish game of the week, and he was looking forward to this one. He wasn't going to miss it for the world. Southside Sharks on Mustang 107.1. And finally, over on the Rewind, 97.7 FM, Lafayette High, Mighty Lions football has you covered. And also, if you're out in Lake Charles, 104.1, don't you dare be sour. We're giving you the power to listen to the Bar Buccaneers on 104.1. That's KL to the C to the J. But I have to say, definitely a great week one in the books for the Acadiana area. Some other notable games that I didn't quite get to. I mentioned Barb. They dominated, which almost seems as expected because they always look good in the non-district games. I keep saying non-conference, non-district. Somehow I have to kind of get used to them talking high school football. 44 to 13, Barb gets the win. Turner Leagues Catholic looked dominant to open up the season. 35-14 win over the Como Spartans. And man, that's a real surprise after what we saw last year with the Como Spartans shocking the system and getting things done offensively against an Acadian high wrecking Rams team that looked damn near unstoppable in 3-5A. 
Bro Bridge beats out New Iberia. A couple other surprises. Eunice pretty much had a basketball game against Northwest, 73-44. to Barb, once again, kind of just scrolling down the line, the, there's a couple other games of note that hit the Acadian area pretty well. Lafayette Christian Academy beating Westgate 7 to nothing. If you told me week one of the 2019 season, Lafayette, Lafayette Christian Academy was only going to put up seven points and win, I would have been surprised and just looked at you like, wait, what? Because this team is typically going to be towards the top of the list for a lot of people to get things done offensively to where you're not having to worry about it being a close ball game. But 7 nothing open of the season against the Westgate Tigers. Other matchups of note, Plaquemine beats Livonia 38-7. to The Notre Dame of Acadia Parish Pios look outstanding, 48-6 victory. And then you also have a really fun one, the T Cotton Bowl last night, 34-14. It goes on every year, week one, and it takes center stage, and it's well-deserved. A fun matchup between those two programs in the Ville. A couple others real quick. Ascension Episcopal beats Era at 34-27. Kaplan beats Franklin at 32-12. Then you have Lake Arthur beating Bazile in a very hotly contested ball game, 28-26. And the last one I'll bring up is Vermilion Catholic, Catholic High of New Iberia, 43-32. So overall, week one of the high school football season in the books, and it was phenomenal. Hopefully you enjoyed it just as much as we did bringing it to you here on our family of stations, and I'm talking about high school football, might as well bring up the fact that in our next segment, just a few minutes or so, we'll have on the head coach of those Southside Sharks, fresh off the win in the first win, getting the first win of the Southside Sharks era. He'll be on 103.7 game in about 10 minutes. That is Josh Fontenot. I had to have him on. Whenever you have a new program, get their first win. It's absolutely crucial to get these guys in-house and we could talk about it and i'm just i'm blown away by a lot of stuff that's been going on over the last few hours because we haven't gotten to a whole lot of it here on 1037 the game because i wanted to kind of keep things very much high school oriented for the first two segments but sometimes headlines dominate everything and i got to bring up what happened with lsu if you want to watch a college game day apparently some video came out i gotta give credit to cody worsham for putting the video out because I was hearing stuff about it, but I see the video. And game day started with a cannon shooting through a Joe Burrow jersey. That's not a good look for one for, obviously, the four-letter network. Then again, they don't get much good press these days. But I am going to say this. It is amazing to see how frustrated everybody's getting. And I feel like, honestly, I talk, I'm going to talk about it right now. It is the fact that you, Coach O talks about blocking out the noise. Sometimes this noise you cannot block out. This needs to be bulletin board material heading into the game. Because they are they're threatening your territory, threatening the manlyhood. I think that this team is going to dominate. I put it on Twitter. LSU winning by 100 now. They are just going to absolutely dominate this ball game tonight now that that happened. It's not a good look for anybody, and trust me, People will remember this game for a long, long time because this was the moment. LSU's offense went from great to legend. Wait for it. Dairy. You heard me right. Legendary. And it's going to be fantastic. Outside of that, of course, Antonio Brown continues to make headlines, and it's just getting tiring 
to keep bringing up his old ass. And the biggest thing he did was put out on Instagram that he wants to be released from the Raiders. Hashtag no more. And, you know, in caps, hopefully that doesn't mean, you know, as in New Orleans. Please keep him as far away from New Orleans as humanly possible. That's the last thing this franchise needs is another hashtag total diva and a do-nothing. You know what? That is Antonio Brown. And he said, no way, I'll play for Oakland. And the Team USA earlier today beat Greece 69-53. to Nicely done. 4-0 in, in the group play involving the FIBA World Cup, which is something that's still going on. Everybody was concerned about this team to open up, the, open up things. And they want to shock in the system, get it done. Hopefully, we continue to see them perform at that high level. We've all come to expect from Team USA in this kind of kind of setup. It's a lot of fun. we got a great show for you coming up today. Of course, the 10 o'clock hour. We see how things are going to go for the high school football season and maybe beyond. We'll see how it kind of works out. We're going to open up the first half hour of the show. We'll be high school and a college football preview with our guy Steve Lassen. We'll have a coach on. This week it'll be Josh Fontenot. Next week, who knows who it'll be. Then 10.30, we have Steve Lassen on a little college football discussion because, trust me, there's a lot to talk about involving the LSU-Texas game, Liberty-Hugh Freeze's situation, and everything in between. 11.15, we're having on a guy, Danny Davis, previewing the LSU-Texas ball game, and Ross Jackson, all Saints considered at 11.30, of course, previewing Saints-Texans, breaking down the big trade for Kiko Alonso and the 53-man roster moves, which moves surprised him the most. And we'll get to a whole lot more here on Acadiana Sports Station because it is a wonderful time to be alive right now because, trust me, many people are just looking forward to college football. It's game day. It's getting started right now in about an hour. But guess what? we got plenty of games to talk about. We'll do that with Steve Lassen at 1030. But coming up next, I mentioned it earlier, Josh Fontenot, Southside Sharks get their first ever win. So why not get the man himself, the coach, of those Sharks. Get his thoughts on the victory, what's next for that team, and a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game, and 1037thegame.com. When you leave work and head... Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 103.7 The Game. On it, calls for the ball, three receivers to his right. Straight drop back, big drop back, set and fuck for the screen. Oh, elusive. Nice play. Cedric McDonald getting downfield. First touchdown for Southside Sharks. Right there at the 6.55 mark first quarter. First touchdown for the first game for the first season ever here for Southside. Ten seconds, nine seconds. It's the play clock. He calls for it. Dive up the middle. No, he keeps it. There you go. There we go. It's what I said. If they do that, he's going to have low-hanging fruit. 
What a way to start off the Southside Sharks era of high school football with a dominant 49-0 win over the Northside Vikings. And right now we're going to go on over to the Ardco Equipment Hotline. We've got the coach of the Southside Sharks right now on the line, Josh Fondo. Josh, how's it feel getting that first win for the Sharks? Uh, relieved. <laughs> the best way I can describe it. Um, we have a we have a lot of buildup over two years, you know, to to wait and work and do all the things necessary. Hopefully, to have a chance to win that game. And uh, you know, when it gets to the point of the day, and you're like, oh my, this this is not pleasing. I messed mess this up. So we didn't. We we did well, and we scored and stopped them and did everything that needed to happen. We won the game. So uh, relieved is the best word I can use. I can about imagine it is a big relief after the two years of buildup. And, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this is just because this was the first game on the road, obviously, against a program with a lot of notoriety in Northside. But more importantly for you, what was it like kind of the hours leading up to that ball game? How much anticipation were you just having? This is the moment we've been waiting for for two years. <laughs> I told uh, a couple of my coaches, I said, I, I feel like this is my first game as a head coach. Um, just because it just, I don't know, it just did. It was, it was nerve wracking. Uh, usually don't get too nervous for the games. Usually it's, you know, just an exciting anticipation time, but, uh, I was nervous. Just, uh, like I said, it, it's hard not to be. There's just so much, uh, build up and you don't know, you know, you just don't know. We, we still in that unknown time frame of how our program is being developed. You know, you don't know how our boys are going to react. A full game. This one counted. You know, all the other ones. Just, like I said, it's all been exhibition games. They knew that. We didn't treat them that way. But in the back of your mind, you knew it. This one wasn't. And at the end of the night, you were going to be one and over, zero and one. So it was. It was a little more nerve wracking than normal. And and I'm so glad it's done with, because now we can. We talked about it this morning when we brought them up for uh, workouts and, and film of. Uh, now we can treat you like a real team that we move forward. Now we're working on week two. All the parades and all that other stuff that uh, we were built up to was out the way. So now we can get back to being a normal season. And that's all you really need, head coach of the Southside Sharks, Josh Fondo, joining Under the Dome right now on 103.7 The Game. And just looking at everything that happened last night, I think obviously Dylan Monette, the the other Dylan Monette, excuse me, because obviously everybody's mm-hmm. going to talk about what's going on with the Katie and the High and their star running back. But your, your guy, Dylan Monette, he looks really good in his debut in, in varsity play. Yeah, he did. He uh, we run everything through him. I mean, um, the whole the whole deal, and he can. He definitely is a guy that can handle it. I think Dylan was like eight for ten, 150 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. He ran one in too, so uh, pretty efficient night for him um, on on the uh, for the first game. Uh, spread the ball around well. Um, Dylan's not one to hone in on uh, the guy he likes and, and or. or you know, one read deal, he gets the ball where it needs to go. Uh, he does a good job of that, so can't complain. They really have nothing. I had, I didn't have much to correct him on this morning, that's for sure. That's always a great thing to not have a whole lot to correct. It was definitely a lot of positives to take away from mm-hmm. it. What was the biggest positive for you, obviously, outside of getting the victory? Uh, the, the fast start uh, for our defense uh, was big. Just because uh, when we played Notre Dame in the Jammery, um, we didn't start fast defensively. It took us almost three series to kind of 
get our bearings and, and, and start fighting back. Defensively, we started off the bat uh, very strong. And uh, I don't know if Northside didn't, Northside didn't get a first down until uh, late in the second quarter. So uh, that was a, a big positive, uh, the way we came out and started hot, which has been a kind of a focal point for us of, we have to do that. We can't wait two or three series to get going because the teams we're going to play from here on out get better and better every week. The, the next opponent is, is better. So uh, if you wait till the middle of the first quarter to start, you've dug yourself in a hole. So hopefully we're going to fix that. One more here with my coach Josh Fontenot with the Southside Sharks here on 103.7 The Game. And next week y'all are going to be playing Church Point. You want to take a one on the chin last night against Notre Dame to start off their season. Why don't you give us an early scouting report based on what you observed from Church Point based on some of the film you've watched? Well, you know, nothing to take away from Northside. I just think Church, Church Point's a, a little harder challenge uh, at their point and where they're at in their program right now. Um, you know, Winky stuff is tough to defend. Coach Arsenal, uh, in the past five years, I don't know that we've had a more successful uh, program, you know, uh, for 3A as far as the model wins, deep runs in the playoffs, they've been pretty consistent. So you're dealing with a team that knows how to win. Um, they're, they're always, they're big up front. You know, their O-line and D-line is going to give us trouble because of their size. And uh, what they do on offense, they do it so well that uh, we're in for a very different challenge. This is a game where uh, our discipline on defense uh, or, or lack thereof, whatever happens, more will determine the outcome of the game. If Coach, we can play with discipline, uh, we'll be fine. Coach, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate Absolutely. you. And as Coach O says, enjoy the next few hours, kind of have that 24-hour rule, and then get ready to turn the page over to Church Point. We will. we will. I'm going to go watch Coach O on TV tonight, and then, <laughs> then we'll start working on Church Point in the morning. So thank you for having us on. All right, Josh, thank you so much. Appreciate him for coming on the program. That's what we're going to try and do each and every Saturday morning. It's been a tradition in the past to try and get high school coaches on during the 10-15 segment to give you an idea of how it went down from their perspective. Of course, we got the football night, and Katie in a post-game show has you covered for all the final scores that we have. Of course, 1037game.com has you covered as well. Also, a nice little roundup by Guy Lewis, our producer, our new producer, the man himself, did a really damn good job with the roundup, so make sure you check it out when you get the chance. But hey, guess what? We got a whole lot more show left to get to you. And, of course, we got Steve Lassen come aboard the show in just a little bit for some college football discussion. I am absolutely looking forward to it. Hopefully you are as well. And like I said, we'll take a quick commercial break. And we'll be back with a whole lot more on Acadiana's numero uno sports station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Keep it locked. The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. You Manchester United supporters, sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. You know, he's a good thrower. 
Uh, we're going to have to be in coverage, make them throw the short throws and tackle in space. Uh, the thing that we can't let them do is run around, especially if they start to run the zone read option, the quarterback power. He's like a tailback. We're going to have to tackle him. The thing that he does best is scramble. And when he starts to scramble, we're going to have to have a pocket around him, use our speed, tackle him, not let him make big plays. When they get in the red zone, he's going to have the ball in his hands. They're going to run the quarterback power, quarterback throw. He wants the football, and he wants to score, and he's hard to tackle. Welcome back to Under the Dome with a CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. That was head coach Ed Ogeron talking about the Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger and how hard it's going to be to stop him. And, of course, we'll talk about that and a whole lot more with our next guest. He's aboard the Arco Equipment Hotline right here, right now. And that is our guy Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. It's time to talk a little bit about week two. Maybe look back at some of the stuff that happened in week one. Steve, what's going on, man? Hey, Clint. It's great to talk to you. We had an awesome uh, slate of games for week one. I think week two could be even better based upon some of the matchups on tap. So, hey, we're in the middle of a college football season. I'm glad it's back. I am extremely glad it's back. But before we get to what happened in week two, week one, we had you on towards the end of Saturday's programming. So we didn't get a chance to really talk about the Cajuns-Mississippi State game because that was actually going on. And, of course, the Cajuns lost 38-28. But how impressed were you to see the Cajuns hang in there throughout? I was really impressed. I think that's my takeaway is that Mississippi State, sure, um, there's some new faces on defense, and Tommy Stevens was making his first start for the Bulldogs. But a lot of credit to Louisiana for hanging in there and making Mississippi State sweat until the very end. And I think there's a lot of positive takeaways for Billy Napier. I mean, sure, the running game can get better. Some of the offensive line concerns um, from an injury perspective are an issue going forward. But Levi Lewis, I think, gave them something to build on. And I think going forward, we thought going into this season, this team can be a, a contender for the Sun Belt title. And based upon game one, there was nothing that changed my opinion. I think Billy Napier and this staff should feel pretty good based upon what happened uh, last week. I'm almost certain they're feeling pretty darn good. Obviously, this week they'll be taking on Liberty, a little bit of a lesser foe. We'll get to that in just a moment. But looking at LSU after what you saw at Georgia Southern, are you starting to believe more in what we're seeing from this offense? Are we going to wind up continuing to see the spread offense do what it did in the opener? Absolutely. This is a different LSU offense. And and I should say, we'll find out a little bit more tonight against Texas because it's a much tougher opponent, and we'll see how much LSU opens it up on the road. But you saw just how different this offense is, getting the ball to playmakers in space. You could certainly see this, the influence of the Saints uh, on this offense and what Joe Brady has brought to Baton Rouge. But it is the tempo, the spread, uh, distributing the ball to playmakers in space. Uh, it was a different LSU offense than what we're used to seeing. We're used to seeing LSU pro-style, I-formation, line up and run it. Uh, but this offense is much different. And I think this is what LSU has needed, and I think it's a step in the right direction. And I, and I think that's a big reason why tonight, if you're an LSU fan, uh, certainly it's Georgia Southern, it's game one. But I think you have to feel pretty good about the transition on that side of the ball going into tonight's game. It's definitely going to be interesting talking right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports, and you brought it up perfectly. Like The fact that this is going to wind up being a very, very interesting ball game later tonight, 6.30 kickoff, 4.30, you'll hear it right here on 103.7 The Game. 
And we just look at Texas on the surface, it feels like there's a lot of issues, namely the running back core. It is paper thin. The depth is not there. I think a lot of the run game is going to have to revolve around Sam Ellinger if they want to have a chance at succeeding tonight. It really does. That, to me, is the key to the game for both teams. For Texas, it is how much Sam Ellinger can create on the run and also what he does with his arm. In games last year against Georgia and Oklahoma where Texas pulled off the upset, that's when Sam Ellinger was at his best. And Tom Herman tends to let Sam Ellinger go a little bit more in these big matchups, tends to let him run a little bit more. It's not that he's going to create 30 or 40-yard runs. It's the short yardage and goal line situations. And I think Texas wants to stay at a third and long, so you'll probably see a lot of short passes. You'll see Sam Ellinger used on on the ground on, on early downs. Um, and I think that's the key. For LSU, can you stop Sam Ellinger? And I think for Texas, how much does he create? Because with the injuries at running back, Texas has some new faces on defense, albeit they're very talented. If Texas wins this game, it's going to be on his arm and his mobility, getting those short yardage situations. One thing to watch, too, Texas does not create a lot of big plays. They rely on 13, 14, 12 uh, play drives. So I think if you're LSU – you keep them behind the chains, and that's how you can slow down this Texas offense and try to uh, keep Sam Ellinger contained. I think that's the formula for LSU tonight. Talking right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. And, of course, I mean, we we're talking about the LSU-Texas game. Might as well flip things over to another team from Texas in College Station. And that is without a doubt what's going on with the Texas A&M Aggies taking on the Clemson Tigers, which really emphasizes the fact that this is probably one of the toughest schedules in terms of non-conference play across the country. what's What do you think about this matchup between Texas A&M and Clemson? Where do you see this one going? You know, I think, first of all, I, I, I hope Jimbo Fisher, uh, maybe Texas A&M didn't show Jimbo Fisher the schedule when he was hired two years ago because, man, it is brutal. They play the top three teams in the nation this season. But I think watching Texas A&M on Thursday night last week, we see Kellen Mond continue to get better and I think much like Texas, if Texas A&M is going to go into Death Valley and win, it's going to be based upon what Kellen Mond can do. Um, last season, he had a good performance against Clemson. I'm not sure that Texas A&M can just line up and run it right at Clemson's defense, even though Clemson's defensive line has a lot of new faces. So if Texas A&M wins, it's based upon what Kellen Mond can do. And I think on the flip side of things, A&M's defense, last season struggled to stop the pass and they are going to have their hands full with Trevor Lawrence and these receivers. So I think it comes down to Kellen Mond and how well Texas A&M either creates pressure or stops the pass. I I, I think Texas A&M will cover, you know, I was a little surprised to see it at 17, 18 points, but I just think it's going to be very difficult to go into Clemson and get the victory. I think just too much firepower for Clemson. And when it comes down to it, I think Clemson, can get the stops they need on defense right now. And, you know, we he didn't quite bring this up, I believe, in um, uh, our interview last week, and we talked about Clemson. Might as well bring up Travis Etienne and how much of a beast he was. We have 200 yards off of under 20 carries. It's absolutely phenomenal what he's able to do. Can he keep that going this weekend? I think he can. Texas A&M's defense in the front seven, while it's very talented, it's very young. They've had a lot of turnover uh, from last season, but – you know, in the big picture sense, 
you know, this is why Clemson is so hard to defend, is that Trevor Lawrence against Georgia Tech didn't have the best performance. He was kind of off all night. And then Travis Etienne, you know, breaks off a couple big runs. All of a sudden, he's over 200 yards. The defense gets a couple stops and turnovers, and the game just spiraled out of control for Georgia Tech. So I think Travis Etienne, he's already, he was already a, a Heisman contender going into the season. If he has another big game tonight, I mean, he's going to certainly jump on even more uh, radars. He is so explosive with the ball in his hands, can create 80, 90-yard you know, runs, uh, touchdown runs without a problem. He's one of those players that anytime he touches the ball, he can score. So it's just another weapon for Dabo Swinney in this Clemson offense. Talking right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports right now on 103.7 The Game. And, you know, obviously week one saw a lot of big surprises. Georgia State upsetting Tennessee. You saw Florida State lose to Boise State. Wyoming beat Mizzou. Out of those three teams, which coach is on the hottest seat in your mind? I think I would have to say Willie Taggart. Um, I think Willie Taggart inherited a pretty, uh, you know, iffy situation from Jimbo Fisher. I don't think, you know, I think we kind of forget sometimes that Florida State was only seven and six in Jimbo Fisher's last season there. So it wasn't like Willie Taggart was taking over a 10 and three Florida State program. But at the same time, as, as Florida State gets more removed from the Jimbo Fisher era, it certainly falls on Willie Taggart. And the coaching staff really dropped the ball in the second half against Boise State. I mean, the first half, Florida State looked really good on offense. And then after that, the offense just completely went in the tank in the second half. So a lack of adjustments, and not to mention the defense that was on the field for 100-plus plays. I mean, those are some situations that, as a coach, that's on the staff to fix, and they didn't fix it during the game. So I think Willie Taggart, we'll see where this season goes because I think Florida State's better. But if they're sitting there at 5-7, and 6-6 six and six at the end of the year, uh, you can bet he's going to be on the hot seat going into 2020. Yeah, you can about imagine all three of those guys may very well be on the hot seat based off of what we saw in week one. Of course, a lot of things can happen. You'll see a lot of jump from week one to week two. But, you know, I, I feel like maybe Tennessee's head coach is, just has been an absolute dumpster fire the last few years. Eventually, Phil Fulmer might just be like, all right, I'm going to wind up coaching again because nobody else is going to be able to get it done at this point. Well, you know, not to mention, too, with Georgia State, you know, this, Florida State and Tennessee are both going through something similar where once you break the offensive line and you have a lack of talent and development there, it's really hard to fix. But I think that's what was apparent when watching Georgia State beat Tennessee. They dominated Tennessee along the offensive and defensive line. And this isn't a Georgia State team that was picked first or second in the Sun Belt. They were 2-10 and 10 last season and they were projected near the bottom. I mean, it, it's not like Arkansas State or Louisiana or, you know, a Troy went into Knoxville and won. This is a Georgia State team that wasn't very good last season. So certainly a lot of concerns going forward for Jeremy Pruitt. They get BYU uh, tonight. So this will be a good opportunity for Tennessee to put things back in the right direction. And if they lose this game tonight against BYU and they still have to play Florida, Alabama, uh, I mean, it, it's going to get pretty rough for Jeremy Pruitt. There was a lot of promise uh, going into the season, and quickly it could all dissipate if they start 0-2. All right, one more for you, Steve, and I want to kind of get your thoughts on one game outside of the ones that we mentioned with LSU-Texas and the A&M-Clemson game. Which game are you most looking forward to? 
looking forward to Nebraska versus Colorado. These two teams had some bad blood last season based upon the way the game ended. Nebraska kind of thinks that Adrian Martinez was injured uh, intentionally by a, a Colorado player late, not to mention they're old Big 12 rivals, too. There's still that kind of rivalry aspect. And I think, you know, this game could see a lot of fireworks offensively. Both of these teams can put up points in a hurry. So I think there's that one. And also Cincinnati and Ohio State. I think Cincinnati very quietly uh, putting together a, a nice run under Luke Fickle. And, of course, Luke Fickle, former Ohio State player, getting a chance to go into Columbus today and, and get revenge against his old team. Steve, thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Clint. Sounds great. Enjoy the games today. Oh, I definitely will. You can follow him on Twitter at AthlonSteve. And it's definitely going to be a case of some multitasking inside the press box because you've got the Cajuns, 6 o'clock kickoff, taking on Liberty, 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 Liberty. And then you have the LSU game going on at the same time at 6.30 kickoff. I'm going to be trying to multitask between the two. Hopefully we can enjoy everything that involves both games and hopefully more importantly we see wins on both sides gonna take a quick commercial break wrap up hour number one the only way we know how with the rounding the bases segment back with more after this on 103.7 the game the numbers don't lie because when you listen to under the dome with cd your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. He's fat! On Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with a CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios, hour number one, nearing the end of the line. And then we go over to hour number two. We'll have on Danny Davis, get a little preview of LSU Texas. And then also we'll get a little look at the Saints-Texans game this Monday night. And it's some 53-man roster talk with our guy Ross Jackson, all Saints considered Locked On Saints podcast. Steve Lassen and Ross Jackson are going to be consistent guests on the show every week because why not? It's my show. I can kind of I can do as I please. And one thing I do every week, I didn't do it last week because there was so much college football going on. Sometimes it's hard to remember what's going on in the world of baseball. But, hey, I got time to do it right now, so why not round the bases? The grind of baseball season is a long one, and the famous CD isn't afraid of rounding the bases on a Saturday morning. Time to play ball and touch them all, right here on 103.7 The Game. Starting things off, Dallas Keiko looked good in his start last night, 7-5 and five on the year after missing a good chunk of the season due to him not being signed by any team as the season got started. It seemed like forever he was not going to get signed. They wound up getting a contract, I believe, just before June. And as that one definitely not looked like as great as maybe you would have expected, but 7-5 and five after that kind of layoff with the Bravos getting it done, 4-3 to three win. The Boston Red Sox looked good, but still, I feel like they're almost mathematically eliminated for the playoffs at this point with a 6-1 to one win over the New York Yankees. The Mariners continue to skid after a really good start to the season. They cannot finish things out. 
losing seven to four to the Seattle, losing seven four to the Houston Astros. Excuse me. And then you have the San Francisco Giants, definitely everybody's favorite treat, and they looked really good in last night's ball game, winning off of this two-run single from Mauricio Dubon. Infield double play death with the bases loaded, one out. The pitch on the way. Swing and a ground ball into left field, a base hit. That was a hanging slider. One run is in. Here comes Jastrzemski. Wotus has waved him home. The throw home. Offline. Jastrzemski slides with the run. Belt stops at second. Dubon comes through for the third time in a row. And it's 5-1 to one Giants. Looking at the Arizona Diamondbacks. They took on the Cincinnati Reds last night. And their offense hit pretty well. 12 hits and 7 runs, including this one from Wilmer Flores. An RBI single. Swing and a base hit up the middle center field. Wilmer Flores delivers in the clutch. Kelly scores from third base. The Diamondbacks get their run in. It's 7-5. The New York Mets, after seemingly being in control of their own fate, have let things slip out of their fingertips and are pretty much out of contention in the wild card race. Four games out with only a few weeks left to go. Whenever you look at what's going on in Chicago Cubs and the Arizona Car- Arizona Cardinals, Arizona Diamondbacks are leading the race in the AL wildcard, but that didn't stop the Mets and Pete Alonzo from walking it off last night. Vincent sets at the sh- at the waist. The pitch. High ball four. Put it in the books. Nick Vincent walks in the winning run. And the Mets defeat the Phillies 5-4 to four in the bottom of the ninth inning. So once again, kind of quick update around the standings. You've got the Yankees starting with the AL. AL East leading the New York Yankees. Well, you got the Houston Astros leading the West and leading it by nine and a half games. The Twinkies, five game leaders in the AL Central. The wild card spots currently occupied by Tampa and Oakland, but Cleveland right behind all of them with a half game back of that final wild card spot. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Meanwhile, you look at what's going on with. The NL, the Doyers leading the NL West by a mile, 14 and a half games up. The Atlanta Braves, they're showing that the AL, the NL East is where the play is play. 11 games up in the NL East. And then the NL Central, the St. Louis Cards up two and a half games at 79 and 62. Meanwhile, the Washington Nationals and the Chicago Cubs are in the clubhouse for your wild card spot. And the closest team right now is the D-backs, two and a half games, while the Mets are four games back. And it felt like they were in control of it. The NL wildcard race, it's starting to clear itself up a little bit more than maybe the AL, which is something I did not quite expect to say today on September the 7th. But, hey, that's just the way things go. We're a couple weeks away from the end of the regular season and, more importantly, the postseason. The long grind of baseball is going to be wrapped up until – January, February, whenever we get college baseball back in our lives, then we bring back the segment because why not? Hopefully you enjoyed our number one because it is in the books. Our numero dos, number two, is coming up in just a little bit. Hey, we got all kinds of great stuff coming up for you. And we didn't know what's on tap in the 10 o'clock hour. We're giving you an idea of what's on tap in the 11 o'clock hour. And by the way, don't forget, We've got something cool going on this weekend tonight. UFC 242 or this afternoon, afternoon I should say, 
go out to Marley's downtown to go watch Dustin the Diamond Poirier take on Khabib Nurmagomedov for the lightweight championship. Go hang out with RP3, and you'll see one hell of a fight. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome, everyone, to our number two of two of Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Once again, live as always from the 237 Roof Studios in Cameron Crow, Louisiana. It is just a wonderful Saturday morning. Hopefully, you're enjoying it as well because, of course, there's a lot of great things going on in and around the Acadian area. But trust me, it's just great in general because we got so much football to talk. It is absurd. Last week, we got college football kickstarted in earnest. And what a great way to kind of kick it off with the Cajuns Mississippi State game. We talked about that a lot in depth. And they'll be taking on Liberty later today. Looking forward to that one. But, of course, there's a lot of other great things that are going down this weekend. And we usually do this to start off the 10 o'clock hour, obviously. that might That's going to wind up being shifted over to the 11 o'clock hour because this is the time when I want to kickstart it. I want the 10 o'clock hour to be, for the most part, reserved for high school and all college football preview. Now comes the fun part. The 11 o'clock hour during football season is going to be a whole different monster. Is guess what we're doing? We're doing what's on tap in the 11 o'clock hour, a little enemy perspective for the LSU game, and also a little conversation with our guy Ross Jackson, all Saints considered, and the Locked On Saints podcast. This is the place you need to be when it comes to what you want, and that is some conversation with a whole lot of great minds and getting get inside the hearts and minds of all these great analysts, I'm looking forward to it. So we got we had a pretty decent lineup, I feel like, for the fall season. Of course, some things might change, some things might be moved around. But trust me, you just listen into to 103.7 The Game, you will be taken care of, and you'll know what's good. So make sure you don't make it all rated R like your boy Xavier Woods. We're going to enjoy a wonderful Saturday afternoon. I'll give you an idea of what's on tap right now. The weekend is finally upon us. Oh, hell yeah! Pull up a bar stool and let's get you informed about what's on tap right now. And of course, we got to start things off with what's on tap, and it is official. NFL is back in our lives. The trifecta is now complete. High school football on Friday nights, college football on Saturday. And then Sunday into Monday, we've got one thing, one thing only for you, and that is high school NFL football. So high school, college, NFL, the triumvirate. 
is officially back, and I'm absolutely hyped about it. Sure, what we saw this past Saturday was, this past Thursday, excuse me, was far from ideal, but I will say this, Green Bay, Chicago, sometimes it's just what you need to kind of get you ready for the actual games, the actual stuff that's going to matter, like the Rams, Carolina Panthers, the Tennessee Titans, the Cleveland Browns, and all the hype surrounding them. Hell, KC and Jacksonville. That's going to be a lot of fun coming up on Sunday because without a doubt, the Jacksonville Jaguars are heading into the season with a lot of high expectations. And it's definitely warranted now that they have Nick Foles, Leonard Fournette, hopefully can have that bounce back year after his second season. Looked a lot like his junior season at LSU, plagued by injuries and also a little bit of off-the-field antics. Definitely not the best look in the world. But overall, week one of the NFL season, it's about to really get into full gear after the season opening game that was kind of a dud. But hopefully, the rest of week one can be entertaining as all get out and a couple of matchups that I'm looking at and just keeping an eye on on Sunday because it's weird. It's something I'm going to talk about with Ross Jackson at 1130 is the fact that the Saints, for about the first month of the season, are on Monday night, 325, 325 and Sunday Night Football. The first month of the season, you don't have that noon slot locked down. It is the weirdest thing. And again, it's the fact that they're going to be on the West Coast in Week 2 and Week 3, then you get Week 4 against Dallas. It is a weird situation, but I'm looking forward to it for one one thing after another. I think it's just the fact that now i got to kind of see what else what everybody else is doing, see some of these more notable matchups in the noon, in the noon time slot. I think there's at least one that I'm looking forward to, and that is the Atlanta-Minnesota game. Not just because of the fact I feel like Minnesota's going to win, but I want to see how the NFC South's biggest foe winds up doing a week one against a really decent Minnesota Vikings team that's looking to turn it all around. And then, of course, like the 4 o'clock matchups on Sunday, I'm looking forward to the... I think I'm looking forward to more of the Giants-Dallas game, just because... We, we see all this hype, Ezekiel Elliott finally back with the program, and the Giants, what happens with them? Do they go all in on Daniel Jones being the long-term play, long-term big-time player in this matchup? It's going to be interesting to see from that aspect. Outside of that, I mean, obviously, we're going to look forward to the Houston-New Orleans game on Monday Night Football. Sunday Night Football is always going to be a premier main event level matchup, and it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. But, of course, there's other things going on on tap this weekend. we got to flip it over to college football. Several marquee matchups, of course. LSU-Texas is where it's at, and everybody's wanting to keep an eye on that game. And let me just say this once again. Texas, you messed up. You done goofed. You did the thing you shouldn't have done, and that is do the whole cannon through the Joe Burrow jersey. I guarantee you, Joe Burrow, if Coach O says block out the noise, I guarantee you, your boy ain't blocking out that noise. LSU winning big tonight. You can bank on that. Hey, dear boy, we all win big. We all win big. Coach, I thought you were in Austin. Oh, no. I, I was going to come over here and that's the, 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 the next flight because we don't play till six. Coach, I don't know if you'd be making it there in time. Why not just come out to the UL Liberty game and meet Hugh Freeze? I mean, I know he's just going to be hanging out at the dentist chair, but I think it'd be really cool. All right, I'm going to do that. How about that? We got Coach Fo to come on over to a Raging Cajuns ball game. How about that in 2019? What a time to be alive, Coach Fo, in the building. But, man, again, LSU-Texas. You got Texas A&M and Clemson, two premier programs 
in the SEC taking on a premier program in the Big 12 and the ACC in Clemson. I think LSU wins. Texas A&M is going to be a very, very tough ball game to kind of predict, but I'll go with the Clemson Tigers winning it, and it'll be by it'll be by 10 points because I feel like Clemson, they are it is what we saw last week in Texas A&M. They were against Texas State. You can't take the, all that into account. They're going to wind up getting Mollywop. And the fact that they are playing a very tough schedule. Their non-conference does them zero favors. That's not what we're seeing with St. Thomas Moore, maybe Lafayette Christian, and how they've moved up in classification. They're playing some really good programs in non-conference, and that's going to wind up making themselves look really good towards the committee. But if you can't win those games, the committee ain't going to give a damn about what your schedule looked like at the end of the day. And I got to say, yeah, college football going on. That is the biggest thing on tap tonight with the Texas A&M Clemson and the LSU-Texas matchup. I'm looking forward to LSU-Texas. That seems to be a lot of fun. We're talking about that in just a little bit with our guy Danny Davis in just a few minutes or so. The other thing worth talking about, obviously, is without a doubt, and if you're out in Dallas, I know one of our coworkers, TV's Dylan, is out there getting ready for MLW War Chamber, a big show, MLW, and it's really cool. It's basically, yeah, it's a War Games almost ripoff, and then you've got the whole, like the, the Von Erics are out there basically, and that's just really cool in and of itself, but hopefully you get ready to enjoy a great weekend of football, football, and more football, because trust me, that is about all that's on tap on a wonderful, dare I say delightful Saturday afternoon, and bet there I say Sunday, and then Monday. Hey, it's not the weekend, but trust me, you're gonna be watching some NFL football, or better, you're listening to it because, of course, we got you covered when it comes to NFL football, the prime time football, right here on 1037 The Game. Thanks to Westwood One's coverage of the NFL. We got the Sunday night football game, Pittsburgh, New England, and then the doubleheader of the Monday night football matchups. The Saints and Texans, we got that right here. I believe Kevin Harlan and crew are going to be on that one. And then you got the late night Oakland, Denver. And I get to Oakland and um, uh, their, their their total divas experience with your boy, Antonio Brown. Because he is definitely taking things to another level. We'll talk about that in just a little bit towards the end of the 11 o'clock hour. So keep it locked. Danny Davis. Joining the program next, and we also have Ross Jackson at 11.30 talking New Orleans Saints. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. You know, Liberty's got... Uh, a handful of players that are explosive, you know, really good skill on offense. The quarterback's a proven passer who's spread it around last year, threw for all kinds of yards. Um, and then they've they've got some disruptive defensive players. You know, they've got some edge players that are unique um, that can create some issues for you. They're big and inside backer and physical, really big in the interior D line. Um, impressed with the overall athletic ability of the back end guys, and certainly. Uh, some new players as well that they've added to the roster. So, you know, Coach Freeze is, is a proven head coach. He certainly has always had very competitive teams, well-coached teams, and this one's going to be no different.
Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7 The Game Live from the 237 Roof Studios. And it is finally time to talk a little bit about those New Orleans Saints because we are getting that much closer to the start of the Saints 2019 season. Of course, you saw the Bears and the Packers kind of chop things up to open up the season. But hey, guess what? We are part of that Monday night doubleheader, and that's the Saints-Texans game. It's going to be a lot of fun, and to talk about it, we're going to chop things up with our guy Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, and the Locked on Saints podcast. What is going on, my good brother? Oh, man, just so glad to be here. Glad to be back rolling with the beginning of this 2019 NFL season. Ready to get this action, man. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm ready to get in. All of, I'm all about that action, but, of course, I think we need to kind of start off kind of catching up on what we missed out on talking about yeah. last week. Obviously, a lot of college football ruled the roost here on Acadiana Sports Station. But looking at a 53-man roster, were there any significant surprises? Because to me, it's got to be Chris Banjo, the biggest surprise of them all. Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, you're looking at a guy that's been just, I mean, just integral to the Saints special teams and, and it has even been really valuable sometimes for them, at least in garbage time. You know, 96 snaps over his time with the Saints with three interceptions. And I know you can say that's garbage time, but, you know, look, not everybody gets three interceptions in garbage time either. You know, so he definitely showed that, you know, he could bring a little bit of skill to that uh, that backup safety position. And uh, he showed a little bit of that during the preseason as well. But the Saints decided that they were going to, that they were going to move on uh, from Chris Banjo, though they have mentioned Coach Payton that they left the door open for him. But he was definitely the biggest surprise uh, going into this. I think some people might have also found some shocks in, you know, the Saints only keeping two tight ends on the roster going into the 2019 season as well, letting go of A.J. Derby, Alizé Mack, who ended up back on the practice squad, as well as Dan Arnold. But then we found out that one of the reasons why they decided to stick around with only two tight ends is none other than Taysom Hill, who, of course, played, I think it was just under, just over 60 uh, snaps at tight end last year. So it's funny how much you know, your third-string quarterback is helping you make up what it is that you have going on in the roster with your pass catchers. And also, I mean, we also got to kind of bring up what they did on Sunday because, of course, Saturday was all about the 53-man roster cuts that they did. And the next thing you know, they're out there trading with the Miami Dolphins who are clearly getting ready to tank oh, for man. Tua. But then you get <laughs> yeah. Kiko Alonso. How great is it to get a guy like that, definitely a, a speedy linebacker to add to that already pretty stacked core? Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you do a couple of things when it comes to that 53-man roster that don't make fans too happy. You know, I mean, you saw the cuts of uh, the waving of Emmanuel Butler as well as Jordan Humphrey, and then you come back with something like this the day right after roster cuts and then just vastly improve your linebacker core. I mean, they were already really good there with the starters, Mario Davis, Alex Antelone, and A.J. Klein. But then, of course, to be able to move somebody like Vince Beagle, who's only got two years of NFL experience at 20 tackles, and bring in a guy that's been in the league for five years, played over 1,000 snaps four times, and also went over 100 tackles in four of those seasons as well. It's just incredible. And, of course, you're not asking him to play that many snaps here in New Orleans. You're essentially just upgrading your your fourth linebacker spot with a guy that you know could be a starter, that's got starting potential, that's got starting experience on top of all that. You know, he's not the greatest dude in terms of you know who you want out there in coverage, but he's a great run defender. He's a fantastic tackler, and in terms of the you know volume of snaps that he's going to see out there on the field, they're really going to maximize his potential to be able to create something positive for this team in terms of depth and having him back there to back that up to where you're not really going to see any drop-off at any of those linebacker spots, probably with the exception of Demario Davis. 
uh, if he ever ever had to come in to cover for him, which hopefully we don't see that. But in terms of uh, A.J. Klein and Alex Anzalone, you've got a really good set of core guys that you can rotate and that can play any position amongst the six that sit on that roster. Talk right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, and the Locked on Saints podcast. And, of course, we brought it up about what's going on with Kiko Alonso, those trades. The opponent the Saints are going to be playing on Monday night made a lot of moves, most notably, I think, the biggest one, the Jadavian Clowney trade to the Seattle Seahawks. Are you surprised about that? Um, you know, I mean, we, we all kind of knew that Jadavian Clowney was probably going to be on the move. I didn't expect him to be going to – to Seattle. Uh, you know, Seattle traded away Frank Clark with the idea of not being able or not being interested in giving him a bigger contract. And so you have to imagine that them trading for Jadavian Clowney is sort of a one-year rental, but looking at what they gave up, it's totally worth it. You know, and then um, you, you don't expect for them to, to turn around and re-sign him long-term. So I didn't really expect him to be landing in Seattle, a place that's not really going to look to re-sign him long-term or probably isn't going to look to re-sign him long-term, just considering the history with what they did with Frank Clark, but uh, I really look for him to maybe land somewhere where he had a potential to land a big contract. This is a great look for him. I mean, he gets to work for now a great uh, NFC team, gets the opportunity to go out there and perform and then enter you know, contract talks next year uh, with hopefully a positive season under his belt. Hopefully not too positive, but a positive season under his belt. <laughs> uh, but I certainly didn't expect to see the, uh, the, the Texans get to a point where they trade him away for peanuts, that's for certain. Talking right now, Ross Jackson, All Saints considered on Locked On Saints podcast. And when the flip card came out a couple days ago, and I was definitely surprised to see, you know, Eric McCoy going to get his first career start up against the Texans. It seems like right here, right now, Eric McCoy definitely got a lot of love throughout training camp, and now they're willing to give him the keys to the car. Yeah, it's looking like it. I mean, uh, we, we kind of, you know, we were kind of hoping that that would be the case. I mean, he played just over 60 snaps in the preseason from uh, that center position, didn't allow a single pressure, no hits, no hurries, no sacks. Meanwhile, the guy that he was apparently in competition with, Nick Easton, saw only 21 snaps from that position and didn't see them until the fourth preseason game when they decided not to play Eric McCoy because he very clearly at that point was going to be your starter week one. You know, according to Sean Payton, he likes to keep throwing it out there that, you know, it's still, they're still trying to, they're still thinking about it. They haven't made a decision yet. They're going to make the decision on Monday. But we all know that Eric McCoy <laughs> is going to be your starter at that center position. I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure what the, what the holdup there is. But, um, you know, I, I expect definitely to see him there. And I think he's going to be a great asset for the Saints. He's going to be an improved asset for the Saints in terms of what they had in Max Unger last season, particularly not, not all together, but in terms of the run game. Even Max Unger said himself that he, um, he struggled last year in that area of the game. So, to get Eric McCoy there, who's proven to be just a mauler on that front line, you can watch his tape over the preseason and see him really setting up those big runs. And so to get to see him doing that with Alvin Kamara behind him and uh, with this full-blown defense behind him as well is going to be uh, – um, uh, I'm just really excited for it. I'm excited that he gets the opportunity to jump in there and to get that start and um, excited to see what he does with it. And look, flipping over to the Texans' side of the ball, I mean, we brought up the fact that J. Van Clowney is gone, but they wound up getting Laramie Tunsil out of a Dolphins deal they did as well on Saturday. How much How much does that kind of affect the game plan for the, the Saints heading into week one? Because obviously they've scouted them all offseason for one particular look, and then you throw a real wrench at everything the like almost a week before the opening game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think this is really something that could go either way, and this is the way that I'm looking at it. You know, you look at a guy, Larry McTunzel, he's going to be playing 
over on that side and, and, and is going to be a huge asset and a big time add and improvement for the Houston Texans defense. I'm sorry, offense. But I don't know how different the the the, the, the protections are, the pre-snap reads are, all of that when it comes to the difference between what Miami did and the difference between what Houston does. Uh, and so there's going to be a little bit of a communication breakdown every now and then that you're probably going to see him struggle a little bit during this first game. It's a great move for the Texans in terms of the long, long-term long arch of the season, but it could end up actually being detrimental for them just in terms of how that communication works, how the mental side of the game goes for Larry Mitonso coming into our brand-new system and having essentially less than a week to learn it. So I think that you might actually see this thing do some work in terms of attacking that side of the ball, getting some blitzers over there, coming off that edge, maybe sending Von Bell off that edge, A.J. Klein, because it's mostly going to be Larry Mitonso and Marcus Davenport that are matched up. Marcus Davenport didn't have the most impressive preseason, but we saw him win a couple of snaps. He's got a little bit of a challenge here with Laramie Tunzel, who is a very good, young offensive tackle. But over on the opposite side of the ball, Cameron Jordan should eat this game because it doesn't matter where Laramie Tunzel is. It matters where he isn't. And for the most part, he's not going to be lined up across from Cam Jordan, so you can expect to see Cam Jordan have a big game. The interior of the defensive line as well should try to take advantage, you know, running some stunts, trying to essentially get him on comfortable in his brand new system this is the prime time to do something like that and try to use it against talk right now with ross jackson all saints considered in the locked on saints podcast and we need to kind of bring up what's going on with the saints all the way around it's the 2019 season two straight years where you've had disheartening losses the nola no call the minnesota miracle the year before that what do you think the vibe is around New Orleans right now? You feel like you, they feel they feel almost like they need to be vindicated for everything that's happened the last two years. What do you think the vibes like in New Orleans? Like, less we're less than seventy two hours away from the start of twenty nineteen season, basically. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I mean, when it comes to the city of New Orleans, I mean, everybody's just excited to get football back. Everybody's excited to see their boys in the black and gold get out there. They're really the ones, the fans, and sometimes even the media as well. We get into it, but. There's, you know, still this feeling, that feeling of vindication, that feeling of, all right, we got to come back and show them something uh, because of what happened last year and the year before. But when it comes to the Saints, it feels like just business for them. They're just about getting down to the brass tacks, nitty-gritty, working, getting the communication down, introducing the new guys to their system, just doing the business side of it and getting essentially the best players that they can get out on that field and getting themselves ready for this season. You're not seeing anything like last year, just before the season, they had the whole prove them right banner, the motto and everything that they were going through. But you just don't really see them bringing that anything, any type of attitude like that to this year. There's a swagger. There's an attitude. Those things are there. But they're really just sort of leaving out the novelties uh, that we kind of saw last season. You know, the, we saw a lot. We saw a little bit of dancing, you know, during training camp. But we didn't see as much as we saw last year. You know, last year we had Manti Teo doing backflips over people and all that wild stuff. And, you know, they still had a lot of fun going into this 2019 season, but it just feels very business-oriented right now in terms of just getting out there, doing the work, getting hopefully the first week one win in five years, and then letting that set the tone for the rest of the season. How crazy is that the fact that the Saints have not won a home a, a game to open up the season in five years? Because it just seems <laughs> insane. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely nuts. The last one was the first game in 2013 where they beat the Falcons. And ever since then, they've allowed, not only have they lost, but they've also allowed at least 29 points in every single opening game as well. So the defense has really struggled. It's just been hard with them 
just sort of getting into rhythm, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And some of that had to do with the CBA change in terms of eliminating a bunch of those full contact practices. And so, you know, that can, that can really sort of make September rough. And we've seen September be hard on the Saints before last year, uh, you know, for those last four or five years as well. And so it, it's, just, it's, kind of, it's kind of insane, like, to just think that this team hasn't been able to pull off that week one win since 2013. But hopefully they're able to buck that trend uh, Monday. I hope so, too, because this could be something that I just feel like many fans are just going to continue to deride, the fact that they just cannot get it done when it matters the most. But, of course, mm-hmm. i got a couple more questions for you, and I think obviously one of the big things that I want to talk to you about is what's going on with the secondary because I feel like that's a part of the game that the Saints have had, but it's not nearly as talked about as obviously, say, what's going on on the offensive side of the football with all the firepower over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, the Saints have done everything that they need to do over these last couple of years to be able to get the right guys in the building. You saw that with them drafting. You know, when Marshawn Lattimore dropped to them at 11 a few years ago, they scooped him right up, making the trade for Eli Apple to get him in the building, working with Marcus Williams. Uh, Von Bell took a huge step forward last year and looks like he's ready to take another step forward. Speaking of things that have never, that haven't happened in a long time and or haven't, has never happened, Von Bell still has never recorded a career interception. He's got a lot of takeaways, but he still never recorded an interception in his career, which I think he, he, he ends that <laughs> this year. But it's crazy to think that he's been, you know, he had a wildly great year last year and it took a great leap, just hasn't been able to pull that part, you know, hasn't introduced that part into his game yet. And he plays a lot in the box and blitzes and everything, so it makes sense. But just interesting and kind of another one of those crazy things to think about. But this secondary that they put together in terms of their starters is really strong. P.J. Williams really finding his grip in the in the slot last season, later last season, but still figured it out. Adding Patrick Robinson, who at the time when they added him was the top-ranked slot corner, according to Pro Football Focus. And so it, getting all of that and put, bringing all those guys in and putting them in positions where they can excel uh, was very important and very important for the secondary in particular. And then now the only thing that you're really seeing is a lack of depth on the boundary side, on the boundary corners. You've got Ken Crawley and you've got Justin Hardy, and those are essentially your only options over there. And so you don't really worry about that as much because of the fact that, you know, hopefully you just never see those guys in the first place. But then to be able to turn around and add a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson that can play all over the place, Saquon Hampton, who's a really good deep safety and a very physical player in the box, they just continue to add these quality guys so that they are able to protect themselves in case they need it. But in terms of what your starting core looks like, this secondary should be a very good secondary this year and should be able to pick up where they left off at the end of 2018. Ross, one more for you, and I think obviously we need to kind of get it on the board here. Prediction for the Saints in 2019. Oh, for 2019, I have them at 12-4. and I have them losing a game every quarter. Uh, you know, they break it down into quarters for so every four games. Uh, I think a couple of those losses come to uh, the – I think they have a little bit of trouble in Seattle playing away at, you know, on the back-to-back. Basically, they go out to the West Coast to play against Los Angeles and then stay on the West Coast to fly up to Washington. I think that they, they maybe take a loss there. Then a few others throughout the season, including the last week, Week 17, when they've already clinched the playoff spot and it's not starters that you see out there. I have them running into some trouble as well against the, the rival Falcons and splitting that series. They lose the one away on Thanksgiving Day, which I'd love to see them win again, by the way. But I've got them at 12-4 and four for this season, uh, looking really good for the playoffs, winning the NFC South, and then making their way in there. Uh, so that's where I have them right now. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I can really pick a Super Bowl at this point, but I think right now I'd probably pick the same Super Bowl matchup that I picked early last season 
And if it wasn't for two calls, basically, if it had two calls in each yeah. of the uh, championship games that gone the right way, uh, we would have seen it last year. And I'm going to say Saints and Chiefs in the Super Bowl this year. Ross, thanks so much for coming on, man, man. We'll get to you down the road because we got a lot of football still to get through. We're not even done with week one yet. Right. <laughs> I know. It's crazy, man. But I'm excited about it. Can't wait to be back with you, man. Uh, excited to get underway with this 2019 season. All right. That was Ross Jackson, everybody. Ross Jackson, ASC. You can follow him over there on Twitter and also check out the Lockdown Saints podcast. It is damn good. It's well worth it, especially if you're making a little bit of a longer commute than maybe I am. Keep it rolling on in just a little bit. Wrapping up the show in a nice little bow. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Welcome back to Under the Dome with a CD right here on Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live from the 237 Roof Studios. Just enough time to kind of wrap up the show in a nice little bow. It'll be a quick ending, but of course we end things off with one final take. Just before we close up shop here on 103.7 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. Antonio Brown, you keep winding up in the headlines, so want to give you what you want at least one more time. AB put out an Instagram message earlier this morning talking about wanting the Raiders to release him, and he put it this way, and I quote, and that's fine, I have worked my whole life to prove that the system is blind to see talent like mine's. Now that everyone sees that they want me to conform to that same system that has failed me over the years. Again, this is coming from Antonio Brown, and I'm not mad at anyone. I'm assessing for the freedom to prove prove them all wrong. Release me at Raiders. Hashtag no more. Hashtag, they put blinders on a horse for a reason. Hashtag, no more fake end of the Instagram caption. I got to say, he is definitely not making himself look very good. But my big thing is, with AB, hashtag no more. I say hashtag no more AB. Get Antonio Brown's crazy ass out of the league. He doesn't belong there. If he doesn't want to stick around a program like the Oakland Raiders, a place that he was he decided to be traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers too? If he wasn't such a total diva, he would still be with the Oakland with the Pittsburgh Steelers and doing really well. Le'Veon Bell the same way, but at least Le'Veon Bell had a little bit of value and just said, "Hey, I'm not gonna I'm gonna sit this one out instead of being a total diva the entire season and eventually get traded off to a land of misfit toys." This was last chance you for Antonio Brown. Good riddance to bad rubbish. Get out of here with that mess. Enjoy retirement, life after football. The man needs to just get out of the league and out of our collective mindset because he is really probably one of the worst athletes, the worst divas I have ever seen. If you wanted to complain and moan about going to the Raiders, he could have done that right from Jump Street. I'm done. Have a great rest of your 
Saturday afternoon. Of course, we got LSU football right here on 1037 the game pregame 430 kickoff 630. But hey, if you want to hear some Astros baseball, they're getting closer to the end of the season. We got them on the rewind 977 FM 1330 AM and 104.1 FM out in Lake Charles. And also Make sure you head out to Marley's downtown to go enjoy UFC 242. Dustin Poirier, cheer him on as he's to become the undisputed lightweight champion. Trying to take down the monster known as Khabib Namaga Madoff. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody.